Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Nick Gelso, co-owner and founder of CLNS Radio. Today's podcast is brought to you by lynda.com. Lynda.com is the home of expert video tutorials. Because you're such a loyal listener of CLNS Radio, and it's 2015, you want to kick the new year off in style, claim your free trial today from CLNS by going to lynda.com slash CLNS. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash CLNS. Now on to your regularly scheduled program. Oh yeah! Having fun with it tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I am. My name is Matt Rury. This is Careless Whispers on CLNS Radio. We're a little later than normal because of various things that went on this evening. But Calvin Chamberlain is here, and the show must go on. Hello, Calvin. That's me. Hello. I sludge to the, the uh, downpour that's going on over here. To uh, what? It's raining in California. It is. It is. It's good because we have a a drought. I don't know if you've heard heard the news about about the drought in California that's been going around. I have not heard the news. Uh, I've just been with my head in the sand or something. I don't know. Um, but uh, I don't. I don't know what's going on, but I'm glad it's raining for you. Yeah, it's good news. Good news for the people. You know, we like water around here. We like to be able to drink things, like sure. showers. I like doing Put the laundry. You just look it up in the sky and open your mouth, and you got water yeah. for for the night right there. That's all there you, you need. Go. I like green lawns. You know. Do Do people freak out when it rains out there? Um. Uh, the news freaks out, which is, is it's one of the best things about living here, is that whenever it rains, they send local reporters to, like, a random street corner. And then they, they'll have, like, it'll be like Stormwatch 2015, and it'll just be, like, around-the-clock coverage of the rain that you can actually see by just going outside. And the other Fair thing enough. Is the thing that, 
thing that sucks about it, though, is the second a drop of rain hits the road, people start driving like eight miles an hour. It's, right. That's yeah, the it's, qu- it's, that's what more like uh, yeah. more what I meant by them freaking out. I figured that around here drive like jerks when it's uh, when it's raining and they freak out a little bit and they must be going crazy out there in California. Yeah, it, everyone just moves way too slow. That that's all. I uh, I hydroplaned once about I want to say like two hundred feet uh, on a freeway coming down a huge hill. It was like you know torrential downpour situations. And what it was is was it was like a huge hill, and then the other side was uh, a huge upturn. And so at at the bottom of this freeway, I was on the freeway. Uh, yeah, at the bottom of this huge hill, it was essentially like a giant lake. So I hit it about 70 miles an hour, and I sort of jet skied for like 200 feet until my tires got traction again. It's pretty scary. Man, that's that stuff is scary. I've been in a situation where I've spun out on a on a main highway like that coming down a hill, and uh, it was it, luckily there was like coming down the hill, but I was far enough. I was able to put my blinkers on and get the car started again, but it's a uh, it's it's a scary situation. But that was ice; that wasn't rain. So I, I can only imagine what a hydroplane it feels like as well. Uh, anyway, let's let's uh, stop with the topic here at the top of the show. We're we're just I'm starting out it's all all uh, all over the place. Um, this show is brought to you by linda.com as nick gelso so kindly told us at the beginning of this at the beginning of the podcast uh that's lynda.com and if you head on over to linda.com slash clns you can pick up a free 10-day trial to their site and they have a lot of great um articles and videos and things like that so i'll tell you a little bit more about them later uh but also you heard me open a beer at the beginning of this show so i may as well tell you now Oh, that Peak Organic Brewing Company is also a very proud sponsor of CLNS Radio. Or to, I heard. I heard Ray. Yep. Yeah, I heard that the uh, organic beer from the Organic Brewing Company is so good that even if I had passed away, even if I passed away tomorrow, you would refuse to pour one of those delicious beers out for me. Uh, that's probably true. I would not pour it out for you because it's, it's good. It's clean. It's crisp and it's delicious. You can check them out at uh, facebook.com as well. Slash peak brewing. Uh, they have some great ingredients and I just, I like their beer. Uh, anyway, there was, yeah, yeah. Papa John's is, is a joke. I'm not, I'm not a fan of Papa John's. Probably should. Yeah. Name. I mean, every other pizza place, like pizza, is better than Papa John's. Well, pizza, we're getting, we're hot. Getting dice, dicey internet connection really tonight. That's that's the really I'm getting. It shouldn't be like that. Uh, I I uh, took control of that situation. I don't know why. Maybe it's your phone. Perhaps it is my phone. Well, either way. We are going to continue on here. Do I sound clear? Yeah, you sound fine. Well, it's probably you. Uh, All right, well. Maybe it is. Just like I don't know. That would be there. 
just some delay. Right. I'm not sure. Uh, where's your text of topics ready to go? I'm such a fool tonight. Um, okay, Celtics, of course. Celtics. We start with Celtics around here. Uh, also, I forgot the. Uh, I just this. See, this is me spacing out more than anything. Maybe that's what you you were hearing. Three four seven two one five. And seven seven one is the phone number that you can give us a call at, and hit me up on Twitter as well at Team Green Truth. Uh, We're live there. That's it. What? We are live. We're live. Yes, we are. We are live as can be. I should send the link out on Twitter. Um, so why don't you sort of take over for a second and? Uh, okay. Well, here's this is what I'm wondering from Celtic fans. I wish we still had callers. I, I lamented this on the post game show as well. People, what happened to you guys? Just call in. You know, it's not hard. Just dial the same number. We didn't change our number. We didn't move. We're in the same place. At the same time, just find us. Yeah. Where are they all? Sam and San Diego? Come on. Yeah, where did they go? What happened to Mike and Pittsburgh? What happened to... um, Yeah, what happened to Mad Dog? What what happened to Mike Munger? Actually, spoiler alert, Mad Dog's actually on hasn't pressed one yet, so maybe he's not ready to talk to us. Maybe he's waiting for us to say uh, say the, the magic word. All right, well, here's the deal. Oh, I, I, uh, we'll, we'll just start off with the Celtics topics since you introduced it, and then Mad Dog wants to talk college basketball. I've got some topics uh, to bring up with that. But um, my question to you, Murray, is the Celtics, after you know looking kind of dicey, uh, they, they seem to have righted the ship, or more importantly, uh, Miami has blown some easy games, and now they're sitting in that catbird seat, uh, right there with Brooklyn. Uh, they're, they're a game up in, in you know for that eight seed, but now they're only a game back for that seven seed. Do you think that the best thing to do, Rory, is for the team to be as good as possible, and you know sort of sort of take credit for a slightly better year by ending with that seven seed? But only only to face the Cleveland Cavaliers in the first round, or would you rather them just just stay in that you know tidy little eight seed and take on the uh, in in some in some worlds less daunting Hawks team? Or do you not believe that? My voice is cracked. Or do you not believe that? Oh, your voice did crack. Um, so I'm this. I use this uh, this topic. Uh, show the other night we was talking about this and i stole something from um was it zach Lowe? i don't think it was zach Lowe. uh no no i, I can't why can't i ever remember who i'm stealing this crap from because i want to credit the guy because i saw it on i'm gonna google this in a second and figure out who's what his name is show to his name um but basically his idea was that uh, the Celtics were would be better off going for that seven seed and facing Cleveland because they're going to lose the first round series regardless, and this would put them on more of a national stage than playing against the Hawks, and that's something that Brad Stevens would be able to uh, shine in, and it would subsequently make players want to go to Boston as free agents, et cetera, et cetera. Let me find this article while I hear what you think. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, I've, I've been, recently I've been on the, 
the big picture. Of course, Rich of... Levine. Who is Sorry, it? I found I found it already. It's it's uh, Rich it's Rich Levine, CSNNE dot com. He's okay, yeah. out there recently uh, a few weeks. I've been on the the, the the tip that that winning is always better than losing, and you know, next week before the playoffs start, one thing that I want us to do is I, I want to go through all the playoff teams and talk about what what they'll need to make their season a success. Because I don't believe it has to be a championship. Do you do you, do you think that the Celtics have, if the Celtics make the playoffs, isn't that you know by definition of what their expectations were? Like, shouldn't that already be a good year, Rory? Oh, oh, are you just going to be Absol- unhappy? Absolutely. No, no, no. I, yeah. I, I want them in the playoffs. Like I'm saying, I, I don't really think that it matters which seed they get. I think that they should do whatever comes to come, comes to. They should get whatever comes to them. And if they're playing hard and they can get the seven seed, then by all means, they should go for it and get swept by Cleveland in the first round if that's going to be what it what it is. But you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say that they will not get swept by Cleveland in the first round. They will not get swept by anyone in the first round. I think Brad Stevens and this young team is is good enough to take a game from anyone in the Eastern Conference in a, in a uh, seven-game series. So I will go on record right now as saying the Celtics will win at least one playoff game this year if they make it in. Well, that, my point kind of is, is that, yeah, yeah. You know what? I don't. I don't. I think they might get swept by Cleveland. I don't think they'd get swept by Atlanta. But but my bigger point is that it, it doesn't matter because it, it's a good year for the Celtics either way. Like making the playoffs with the roster that they have and the talent they have, it's an impressive year. It's something to build on. It's something good. I don't expect them to win the series against either team. And do I do I think that like a five game series as opposed to a sweep really makes that much of a difference? I mean, it's a nice. Little no, to put it, on your resume, but it's nice. But I don't it's think, nice for the yeah. players too to have that confidence, and that experience. Definitely, and to have one more playoff game, obviously. But it, you know, it's nice for the fans. But I, I don't think that the the end result of losing a first round series as the seven or the eight seed really makes that much of a difference. And so, I'd like for them to be the better team. Like I, 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 the point I was making earlier was, I'm, I'm tired of this this notion. That, I, that all these people have where it's championship or nothing. And the problem with it is, is that it's ruining the very spirit of sports because teams that like think that, okay, we can be, we can be bad in order to like try to win a title later on. It's like everything other than winning a title is meaningless. In, in, you know what I mean? So if that's how we, if, if that's how we value things, then there's no reason for anyone to compete. Unless right. Win no, a title. I don't think, I don't think not winning a title is, is meaningless. I, or, Every, anything but winning a title is meaningless, I should say. Um, I don't think that. I think there is value in the experience of getting into the playoffs and the different type of atmosphere and intensity that the game brings in that setting. Uh, and I think that it's good for these young players to show Danny Ainge whether they can hang in, in that situation and whether he should be looking to keep them uh, going forward. Now, I just lost my train of thought. I had something good, too. What is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Uh, you know what, Calvin? I can't even remember what I was just going to say. That's what happens when you start a late show, right? I've, oh, oh my gosh. I'm just, I'm just all over the place. Maybe I need some Pizza Hut um, or Papa John's, whatever. Either way. Just, just go with it for a second. Yeah, well, I, I was just going to say, as, as a side note, 
as, as a Celtics fan, I don't care about the Hawks. In fact, I probably have warm feelings about the Hawks because, number one, the Celtics have owned the Hawks in recent mm-hmm. years. I know it's not, it's not the same team now, but you probably have no hard feelings toward the Hawks. Like Al Horford and you know, you know, uh, Paul Millsap are like the most innocuous NBA players. Like, there's no way you just have terrible feelings towards those guys. I know Munger used to hate Salazar Pachulia, but, but come on. That's, oh, I still hate that's Pachulia. He's not on the team anymore, but I still hate him. I, yeah. I, I always thought even, even that much was like a, a stretch to hate a guy. But but the point is, is like the Hawks are so, they're so bland that, like, I'm sure you guys truly don't hate them the way that you probably do hate the Cavaliers. I mean, I don't like the Cavaliers. I, to me, it's more fun to play the team. And if you do, if you do bruise them up a little bit, if you can stretch that series out, even if you don't win, then you can feel good in the idea that, like, hey, you know, maybe right. we took a little something out of them for the next round. Or is, right. You probably so, don't want to sorry, want to sorry. Hot. So. Yeah, right, exactly. So, but back to your point about uh, your your bigger point. I remember what I was going to say um, about winning a championship or bust that type of thing. Jeff Van Gundy the other day uh, on one of the TNT broadcasts said that they, some something came up about the Celtics or about coaching in the NBA or something, and he he went on to say that he thought Brad Stevens uh, had the biggest overachievement as far as looking at a roster and their position, the team's positioning right now. He thinks that the Celtics are overachieving, overachieving more than any team in the NBA right now. First of all, would you agree with that? I think it's a very compelling argument that can be made. Um, but second of all, isn't that the definition of a, of a good season if you overachieve more than anybody else? Uh, no, it's funny. It's funny because that that sort of leads into a topic uh, that I want to get into with Matt Dodd, which we'll get into in a second. Which is, which is, what is it exactly that makes a good coach or makes one coach better than another? Like, I don't do. Do you think it's just results? Because I don't. I, I don't have that belief. Because like, well, we've had this discussion before. We discussed this before, and you sort of said. I mean, I brought up the fact that I think coaching is more valuable now, and and that people are finally starting to realize how. Valuable coaches are in the NBA, especially a good coach. Um, but we we said we've said before that coaching is is starting to be more important now. And you have sort of have come on this this uh, ride, if you want to call it that, and you've sort of turned your your uh, opinion to more what I'm have been trying to say for a long time, um, and just that coaches are now. I mean. Is it is it winning? Is it it's a chicken or egg? Is uh, do they win because they're good coaches or are they good coaches because they win? And that was your point a few weeks ago. But I think that if you look back at people like Phil Jackson, he's a good coach because he knew how to put the players in that. He knew how to manage big personalities, and that's what was needed from him. Maybe somebody's a better basketball-minded coach than Phil Jackson is if you just threw them a random bunch of players and said, go win a game with these guys. But if you give Phil Jackson a specific type of player, he's the best coach there is. Would you not agree with that? Um, see, for, for me, I, I guess ultimately my, te- my tendency is to come down on the notion that like how good a coach you are depends on on like how far you outperform the expectations of your talent. And the, but the problem with that 
the, 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 and I realize that that has a flaw, and the flaw in that is that if you have the most talent or if you have more talent, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not as good of a coach. You know what I mean? Like some, some guys are, just, are good at maximizing talent and winning when they have the most talent, does that does that make but does that make you a better coach than a guy who can get more out of less? I don't know. Like Steve Kerr is I don't I don't think he's the best coach in the NBA, even though he's taken the war I think he's a better coach than Mark Jackson. But like how how good is he actually? I mean you can you can say that this team is is, maxim, is maximizing their talent, but they have they also have a lot of talent. Uh, but I don't. I don't think that just because I, I guess to me, who's a better coach is a difficult argument because so much of it depends on players. And but but I can certainly say he's a good coach. I have no idea if Steve Kerr is a better coach than Brad Stevens. You know what I mean? I I can't say right. now. Brad Stevens, Brad Stevens right now is outperforming his talent to a greater level than Steve Kerr. But you know he he also has more room to move than Steve Kerr does. Of course, of course, and that's another way to look at it. Like the, the the if the worst team in the league makes the playoffs and they overachieve more than anybody else, obviously they didn't have a better season than the team who wins the championship. I'm not trying to say that, but to look at it and say that it's not a good season because all they did was make the playoffs when nobody thought they would. Right. Uh, I don't agree with that either. So let's get Mad Dog in on this, and we'll see how long it takes him to start his celebration, and or if he can stay on topic for a second. Uh, Mad Dog up in Maine. Welcome, sir, to the up. show tonight. Careless Whispers. What's up, buddy? What's going on? He needs a song. What's going on, guys? Oh, celebration song? Fine. Yeah. We'll give him the celebration song. Mad Dog, congratulations oh, thank you, thank you, Mad Dog. On, on the Duke Blue Devils. All right, that's, that's party time. I know it's not your favorite, Mad Dog, but that's our party song. Congratulations on the big Blue Devil win last night. Uh, it pains me to say. Well, uh, well, well, thank you guys. And it's just, it was, it, uh, as you can probably tell in my voice, I'm tired. I was up until 5 in the morning and, and then got up two, two hours Ooh. later. Um, it's been a very, very exhilarating day for me. Um, just just celebrating it and just, and just proving once again um, and this fits right into my argument, and I'm not going to mention any specific names, uh, but there are people on this network that were debating who the best college coach was when Brad Stevens was in college. It's, it's not a doubt after last night. Um, I'm just going to throw that out there after um, the fifth national championship and, and nine. Uh, well, let me, uh, let, let, me, let me just get this off my chest for, for a second. Do you think that, that that call that they totally blew when the ball tipped off uh, of um, Winston, Winston, is that his name? Winslow. Winslow. God damn it. I'm losing my mind tonight. Thank you. When it tipped off his finger and everybody saw it in the in, uh, on TV anyway, Jim Nance was saying it's the ball's got to go the other way. I was commenting uh, to people that I was watching with, that the refs were looking at a really small monitor, so it probably was not going to get overturned. Do you think that play had any real impact? I mean, it seemed like it was a pretty key point in the game, and the refs really blew that one. Well, there were, and just, and I'm just going to throw throw this out there, the entire Final Four 
the, the Kentucky and Wisconsin game was just uh, was just uh, their um, Trey Trey Lyles of Kentucky punches somebody in the face and they review it and they and they don't and they don't overturn it. These these, these were the same officials, but yes, but yes, they, it was off of Justice Winslow. It was, um, and and yeah, and yeah, they really they really blew that. Everybody's getting getting on them. On him about the about the um, out of bounds call too, the other one. But um, again, oh yeah, I, I even missed that. One. We, we 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 saw that actually. It's quite funny because Wisconsin three weeks ago in the Big Ten championship had a very similar play happen. And again, again. Um, I'm just going right. to uh, uh, Titus Jones made those shots down the stretch where, which were incredibly difficult. Those threes and and uh, and, and all right, Matt. And, um, let's let's bring it let's bring it back to this coaching thing, Calvin. Go go ahead. Okay. Well, yeah, it, it's funny because I you know I I do want to sort of talk about what what Rudy just brought up to you guys, but. Uh, it, it seems like what's been going on right now, or what's been going around now, is the notion that Shashevsky's uh, five titles are now comparable to, to Wooden's ten titles. And I know that you've been you've been on on board with that notion, supporting the idea that Shashevsky should be recognized as, as the greatest coach of all time. And I've been hearing uh, some, you know, multiple arguments today in, in support of that idea. Do you want to sort of you know, re re support that point. Well, the the, the thing that the the thing that I'll say is is that the parity in college basketball is in in the tournament size is much bigger is much bigger than it was back in the nineteen nineteen seventies. And that's not to take anything thing away from John Wooden, uh, but but um, Mike Shashevsky has 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 um no he didn't win he he didn't win eight straight and no one no one in men's college basketball is but um he he has been the most consistent consistent um coach of all time has coached his team to twelve final fours nine championship game appearances and now and now five five titles and. And you look at the entire body of body of work, just just, just on the fact that that the level of competition ha, ha, has been higher, and the fact that these that the tournament now is much bigger than it, than it was back then. That, hey, isn't isn't this, isn't this kind of like the Bill Russell versus Michael Jordan argument here? Bill Russell, eleven titles. Michael Jordan, six titles. But Michael did it in a different era, and 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 Jordan was more of the centerpiece in a in a team that really had to compete against a, a lot more competition than Bill Russell. Bill Russell was a dominant force, and he obviously was the centerpiece of that team. But he just was bigger than pretty much everybody in the entire league. Whereas Jordan comes out in a different era and shows that he he get, is arguably the best player of all time. And I mean, I know players and coaches in totally different games and as far as pro versus college game, but am I, am I out of, out of line to make that comparison here? Yeah, there's, there's somewhat of a similar argument. Although, like you said, with players, with, 
with players, it's different because you can actually talk about what Russell was good at and what he was bad at. And but but what you're talking about really is the the main point that I wanted to get to earlier and illustrate with this is that there's there's a difference between best coach of all time and most accomplished coach of all time. You know what I mean? Like the, all the arguments that that. Uh, Mad Dog and that people use in favor of Krzyzewski, you know, being a better coach than Wooden, all of them have to do with saying how his, his circumstances were different. You know, there's more parity now. Uh, he, you know, he spread it out over a longer time. It's more difficult to do. He had to win more tournament games. Uh, he didn't have the recruiting advantages. But the, the problem with those arguments to me is that you can take those those same arguments and say, well, then, then how do I... Uh, how do I know then that Chesky was a better coach than, say, Brad Stevens? Because Brad Stevens had to coach at a at a small school, uh, you know, brought the school to to the NCAA title game twice, was in a, a way worse situation uh, than Chesky, and he, you know, he did something different. How do I know that Chesky is a better coach than Tom Izzo, somebody who's brought way less talent? Uh, now, granted, he has a good record against Tom That's Izzo, the but comparison he, right but there. But he has less talented teams every year. Somehow he has a, he gets Michigan State to the Final Four. What Michigan State special? You know who they had since Magic Johnson? Like how many great NBA players have they had compared to to even Coach K? Yeah, how can I, I mean, say, unfortunately, how can I say, yeah. unfortunately, the record is not very good against Coach K. So I'll, let's just say that before Mad Dog uses it. No, but, well, but yeah. the, the bigger point I'm making is that like I don't think you can say who the best coach is. In a vacuum, I think the more important thing is who's the most accomplished coach. You know what I mean? That's really—it's like like Michael Jordan is clearly a better player than Bill Russell, but Bill Russell's more accomplished, and, it's, and that's right. something he should—you know what I mean? Like who? Can, there you go, Calvin. CLA there, uh, Matt Dog. Go ahead. Well, it, 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 uh, at, the, at the whole Izzo argument is just it, 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 Tom Izzo and. And I do have respect for Tom Izzo, but he he is a total of one and twenty one against against Roy 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 Williams, Calipari, and and Mike Krzyzewski. You can't you can't be considered elite if you're one and twenty one again. And we're not talking about Michigan State as some as some mid major here. They they play in a major conference in the Big Ten. They 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 have had NBA NBA players. Um, you look at um, who, who who they have in the league now for for the they they have, they have they have starters on the two top teams in in the West. So it's Hold just. On. But Draymond Green was not a star in college, though. He, in fact, he was a, he was a second round pick. They don't have a star now. Like you know, now, you can say you, that that again comes down to. Recruiting as part of coaching, and like, do you do you discredit him for not getting the guys that Coach K get? But it's also like he has institutional advantages. So, what do you you know what I mean? Like, we're not even in the NBA. At least we can just talk about coaching because it's separate from GMing. Whereas in in college, that that's all tied together in a way that like it it makes it to me almost impossible to tell amongst the you know few guys who are all time great who is a better pure coach. But I can say that again that, that Coach K is the most accomplished coach since Wooden, right? I mean, is, shouldn't that be enough? Why? How, how well, do we have to decide? Well, well, here's my thing. 
and I'm not going to get on a whole on a whole um, history thing 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 here about the about the Duke program. I I can go on for weeks, but it, it, the, the Duke program before before Mike Shashesky was it was not it was not that great. It, it wasn't actually the Duke program before Mike Shashesky. UNC did not consider Duke Duke their rivals. It, it, it was NC State. Sure, sure they had some success with with, with Art Heyman and Vic Bubis, but but they weren't the program that they were now. Now now the thing with Mike Shashesky is 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 that it, it, he did not start off recruiting these kids. He had to build the program up, and 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 that's one of the biggest credits that you have, that you have to give to him. He did not start off successful as a coach. He was almost fired after a second year. He stuck with it, and he made Duke a very desirable place to go. And that and that a lot has to do with the with the with the Hurley and Dawkins and Grant Hill Hill in those days. But, but, it, it, but it, Tom Izzo can recruit. It, it, Tom, Tom Izzo has had a share of McDonald's All American. Tom Izzo has has had his share share of great play, players at Michigan State. And, and the name that you're forgetting, um, Kelvin, is um, Zach Randolph. Is the name that well, you're it's forgetting? Funny. It's funny because I, I I just googled the list of. Uh, Michigan State players in the NBA right now. Would you uh, would would you like to hear it, Murray? Would you like to hear it? Absolutely. Looking at it myself, but uh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, they have they have Zach Randolph. By the way, he's uh, he's in his 14th season. So Tom Izzo had him 14 years ago, right? Okay. Uh, okay. Alan Anderson, the great oh. Alan Anderson, Shannon Shannon Brown. Uh, Draymond again, who wasn't very good and well, not he wasn't bad, but he wasn't great at Michigan State. Gary Harris and Adrian Payne. That's the list. Yeah, the okay. Duke list is uh, is much better, much, much, much better. Are you kidding me? Especially the recent list. It's it's uh, it's not even close. Yeah, and I I understand I understand that, but but again, again. Re- Again, and this is and this is the thing about college basketball. A lot, a lot has to do 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 with recruiting in college basketball, and it does it does this day and age. But but uh, but but um, so. Like, but how much of, how much of that recruiting is now? I mean, you could say that Shostevsky built a program up to be this number one type of uh, type of organization in college basketball, but. How much of that is is now the program, and not as much Shashevsky for people starting to go to Duke? Are they going because of him still, or is it really because he's program? And yes, you can credit him for that, but I don't really think that that plays into how good of a coach he is. Well, a lot. Well, you look at the three kids that that just went there. Um, Jabari Parker was. A big reason why why he went there was because of Mike Krzyzewski. The Titus Jones and Gia Okafor have talked openly about it. So has the Justice Winslow. Many kids admire Mike Krzyzewski. And I will say this about Mike Krzyzewski. I do think that um, 
that all of the, that all of his accolades in U.S. and USA basketball have. Uh, those kids aren't stupid when they hear hear good things heard from LeBron James and Kevin Durant. But but this kid, but but this guy is a is an icon, and and to just say, well, well, he recruits these guys because because it's Duke. Before he got there, Duke, Duke was not an attractive place to go, and now it's. And now it's um, extremely attractive. Now it's an extremely attractive place to go, and it's because of Mike Krzyzewski and because of the success that Mike Krzyzewski has instilled at Duke. And you're right. You're right. And nobody's saying that he's he's a terrible coach. It's just a matter of you know if you want to compare who's better than who, like how do you do that if you're not using if you're not going straight up accomplishments? Let me let me take Coach K out of this because I have an interesting question that I, and you can answer this too, Rory, because I'm curious. Who's a better coach, John Calipari or Tom Izzo? Because if you look at Calipari, the the, the way that he's the, the success that he's had in college basketball the last couple of years is is better than Tom Izzo's success. Does that make him a better coach, or no. do you? Oh, 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 do you think that, you know, obviously he's recruited way better. Does, does, does his recruiting make him a better coach? Who's the, who's the better coach? I, uh, it, I had a, uh, I've had debates about this with, with people, and, and really, I, I am not a fan of Calipari. I'm not. I, Listen, I, he didn't I coach those guys up very well in the game they lost, did he? Yeah, I, he didn't I, rein I them in. That, I think that he's he he he's extremely slippery in his methods, and we've seen and we've seen several different things, um, incidents with that with with Derek Rose at Memphis and with Marcus Camby at, at UMass. Yeah, he, we've seen that. You know what, Mad Dog? I feel like more often than not, Calipari gets these great players and just lets them go out and play, which for the players is probably great. They probably love it. They probably love going out there and just playing playground ball, maybe running a couple sets here and there. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't seen a whole lot of, uh, of Kentucky in the past few years. But from what I can tell, he's not really a lot of active coaching on the sidelines. And no, I no. Mean, I so, would give it. I would give it to, to Izzo hands down every day, all day. Yeah, Rory, you know, yeah. you know who you're describing, also, right? You're describing Phil Jackson. Well. Yeah, but he was Phil was able to rein these them in at times, and I mean he was pulling strings to to get these guys to to pay attention at, at times, and he was the Zen master and all that, and guys bought into it. And yeah, Jordan was a big part of that, and Kobe's a big part of that, controlling things on the floor. Uh, I, I have to uh, uh, say that as well as sort of a disclaimer. But uh, if you're if you're sorry, go ahead. No, Calipari I was just going to say if you're to play together, like Carl Towns, yeah. eight points, eight points. I yeah, I understand. He gets the guys to buy in. That's great. But where was he when they were when they were melting the other night? Where was he when when they when these young kids fell apart and he he needed to even attempt to get them to calm down and get their heads back in the game? That was a total meltdown from Kentucky the other night. Where was Phil Jackson when the Lakers were getting swept by the Mavs and they had no strategic answers? All right, Calvin. Mad Dog, we appreciate the call, man, <laughs> as always. We've got to move on because it's uh, it's it's getting a little late in the show here. You got anything else you want to throw out there? All right, well, well, I just wanted to um, sort of know really quickly and um, 
what what Calvin's other thought, thoughts on college basketball were. If we if, 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 if just I I just wanted to know to know that really quickly, and um, because he said that it, that he that he did, um, oh. I just. Well, I, one I wanted—I definitely wanted to talk about the Bo Ryan situation and you know his complaints after the game uh, about the calls. One, like I don't—I I think I'm okay with a coach complaining about calls because you know why? Because coaches should be biased, but that doesn't mean like people have to take them seriously. Like you know, I, I think about every time that like he playing playing uh, on teams and stuff when I lost, I always felt like we were jammed. I felt like from the inside, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me. Like some people are calling him a, a a poor sport. The thing that the thing you know what else doesn't bother me is like the the fact that they didn't get those calls. Because if you if you're trying to rely on a fingertip call from Justice Winslow to win a game, you know what I mean? Like he, it's like they lost the game for a, a number of reasons. One is most importantly is that they couldn't contain Grayson Allen in the second half. He you know he went off on them, and and I thought Duke was better anyway. To be honest with you, but even more importantly than that is. Like Bo Ryan really made me mad at the end of that game. Uh, Wisconsin was down three. They had their little mini comeback. I don't understand why nobody is talking about this nationally. Uh, Forty-two seconds left in the game. Okay, thirty-five second shot clock. So uh, they could have just played. They, they were down three points. They could have just played defense uh, on uh, uh, Kentucky, on Duke. You know. Uh, denied them defensively, and they still would have had seven seconds to score. They had a timeout. They could have called that timeout, ran their play in seven seconds. But instead, with 42 seconds left, they they foul, and, the, and thus, if... Uh, Wait a minute. Did he call for... Did Bo Ryan call for that foul? Because it looked to me like the player was just a little too aggressive, and he fell in, and he fell into the to the Duke player. Was that a... Did you see Bo Ryan no, he, call I, foul there? I didn't. I didn't see him call the foul, but he fouled him immediately after crossing half court, and it was a grab. I have to imagine that was intentional because it looked super intentional. Nobody said anything about it. The guy goes to the line immediately, and I'm like, you. You could have played defense there. You. There's no situation. I mean, no. There's no situation where it makes sense. Yeah, I. Saw, I just saw that differently. I thought it was a bad foul. That's. Even I think it was. It, no, because, they no, because think about it. it. It was like the moment that they crossed half court that he fouled him. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense that they would. Do I don't that. know, Calvin. It just looked like he was he was trying to close out real high, and and that he he ran too far, and he ran right into him. Unless we're thinking about a different play here, Mad Dog. Do you are you following this? Yeah, well, yes, and uh, and I was sitting here here thinking like thinking the same the, the, the same thing on Wisconsin's side. It was. You you have uh, I believe it was a fourteen second di- differential, and you are following a a um, a ninety one percent free throw shooter during 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 the double bonus. I did not I did not understand. Yeah, that's why I, that's why I thought it was just an uh, over aggressive move by the player. I didn't think it was an in- intentional foul. And I don't I don't know. What's he looking for? If she if she for caught that ball, then then I would have been all for doing that. But right. but 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 it was trying to show the ninety one percent free throw shooter. But 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 Calvin about the about the calls down the stretch and and I've heard ranting up here on on the radio all day about how Duke was given given this national championship. It's just ridiculous. Titus Jones made made those threes down the stretch, and that's why they won the game. And in Wisconsin, in, in, yep. in Wisconsin, was better for sure. 
it, it was Costa couldn't make a shot down the straight. It, it's that. It's really. It's really um, that simple. And in short, in short, did they miss that call? But it, it, again, I I didn't hear the the absolute outrage after the after the Kentucky and Wisconsin game. It certainly was nothing like like two like like Game Seven of two of two thousand ten. But anyway, um, champions right, again. The 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 one for for the thumb is here, and <laughs> and um, I'm I'm still celebrating, guys. But but guys, All right, great buddy. show. And there he goes. Peace out, guys. Later. There goes Mad Dog Calvin. It's here's his little Gatorade bath. <laughs> there we go. Uh, congratulations, uh, Mad Dog. Anyway, uh, you want to hit your uh, your last little college topic here before we move yeah, on? That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. Before you you move on to Liz or whatever we have next, we, I, I just have a, a question for you about this last. So you, I'm sure you saw it because it, it was national news. The uh, the press conference in which a, after Kentucky had lost to uh, to Wisconsin, where Andrew Harrison was at a press conference and uh, somebody asked him about Frank Kaminsky. And he uh, he said, "F that and bomb." Did you notice that? Did you right. see that? I did hear. I did hear. Happened to see that, and uh, I mean, I thought it was kind of ridiculous that Kaminsky had to uh, address it at, at at some point. Somebody asked him about it. I mean, I thought he handled it fine. He, he said, uh, "It's nothing. It's it's no big deal, or whatever well, it may be." But I mean. I, the fact, I mean, sure, Harrison should have to answer questions about why he would say something like that. But for Frank Kaminsky to have to get dragged into it, I thought it was a little, little overkill. But whatever, it is what it is. Well, well, here's my question to you. Okay, so I didn't see that press conference originally. Uh, I was, I was out. That game was on a Saturday evening. I was out, and I, I think it was either you know when I came home or. When the next morning I was watching Sports Center, and you know the the ticker on the bottom said, you know Andrew Harrison directs racial slur at Frank Kaminsky. Right. So I'm so I'm sitting there thinking, like, okay, Frank Kaminsky is the Polish name. I'm a do you, do you call him you know a, a, a Polak or like what what could he have possibly like what kind of racial slur a honky like what kind of racial slur could he have possibly <laughs> directed at Kaminsky? So then later when I when I see the audio and he's saying, Man, like at, at that end, like my question is my question to you is is one like one like should he like should maybe he should have to apologize for like his his tone and his dismissiveness dismissiveness. But and part part of me like respects ESPN's consistency in this because certainly if Kaminsky had said, Man, at, at that end about uh, oh my God. Andrew, I mean, forget forget the fact that the world would explode, but just like yeah. what they, what ESPN would show on their ticker would pretty much be the exact same thing. So I, I respect the consistent consistency as far as that goes, but I'm, I don't know was it was he trying to make it racial with Frank Kaminsky like that? No, That's I would so- I would I would think probably not. The question wasn't even posed to him. He just said it under his breath, and he's too dumb to realize that there's a microphone in front of him, and then maybe that microphone is on. Uh, so I, I mean, it, it doesn't matter what the racial slur was or who said it. If somebody's saying something under their breath and they can't, they don't realize that it's going to get a microphone sitting in front of them. They are 
should be ridiculed for whatever they have to say. If it's it, it, that is racially insensitive towards someone of their own race or somebody else's race, it doesn't matter. You're dumb. You're dumb. You shouldn't have said it. So let's let's just hypothetically let's just say if you, let's, just, let's just say he said forget that in right like would sure would, it's, would, it's would probably it, still the same thing. My my question to you so it would he would still you you think that he would still be required to apologize because sure. because in, in, it, I don't know my my thing is like it's it's not racial in that situation. You know what I mean? Like there are people, there are people who like use that word as a part of conversation, and you know, and black people obviously. Like, does that does that automatically make it racial? You think you think yes? You think like no? I'm not saying it's like, automatically racial, but it's it's sure, something I, that, that, is, that no, I I, my, I, I I don't know. Okay. Okay, should Kaminsky be offended? I guess is the question. Racially, no, I, I, no, certainly no. not. No, I wouldn't be offended. I would, I would just be like, uh, all right, whatever you have to say, whatever you say, I just beat your ass. Sorry. So then, how is it cool for the media? It, it's so weird. It's a weird situation to me. Like, how is it cool if it's not actually racial, and it's not actually off- It's not actually offensive. And then how is it's, it cool? It, it's not a matter of whether it's offensive or not. It's it's the word, Calvin. It's the it, that's the big debate. Should the word be able to be used by people by anyone, or should it only be able to be used by black people, or should it be used by nobody? Okay. That's that's the that's the debate. So, the debate that's going on in America. It's it's just like but, it, to me, it's just a well, word. It, and it. I mean, I, I'm not offended when I hear it. So I don't. I don't know. That, that's my thought about it. Let me let me throw this variable then at you. What if in, in, you know he he asked about Kaminsky and he's like he's like f that guy right, and then and then he was asked another question sure. about like about whether or not he was he was considering about uh, he was considering going back to Kentucky right, and he said he said me and my ends have to talk it over, right? <laughs> do you do you do you think the the ESPN report would be the same way like? Uh, well, no, because it's not directed at anybody. It's not it, it, they, their report was saying that it was directed at, at Kaminsky, which it was. Uh, and even if it was not Kaminsky, if it was somebody else that, of a different race, who any pick one, uh, but, if it was directed direct- at that person, it would probably it would probably be picked up as something racial and something that's not, or that ESPN would want to put a headline out about. If he was just saying it about self or about his friends that I mean weren't present or weren't in, involved on a big national scale at, in a game that he was just playing in, then I think it would probably be looked at differently. But I, I guess that's weird to me because he was using it the same way as a stand-in for guy. You know what I mean? The the, ins- the insulting part is the first part, the F word. Like the the last part is like. That's how he's he's referring to dudes. That's why I use the example. Yeah, that but I that's use. the that's that might not be the insulting part, but that's that's the sensation part, right? That's the that's the buzzword part. That's what people are going to start talking about, and that's where the debate begins, and that's where ESPN gets their hits, right? They they got me to their hit on it. I, I had to find out what he said, but then when he said that, I was I just it just left me confused. I'm still kind of confused about it, to be honest with you. Uh, maybe maybe this can help clear it up. 
And I don't want to. I thought I would just sing it this time. Yeah. And I don't want the world to see me. Yeah. Sing it, Liz. Come on, Liz, sing it. (laughs) No way. Because I, come on, you know it. I know you know it. I don't want the world to see me. There you go. Liz Farola, everybody, is brought to you by... I don't know, Liz, what do you want to be brought to you by tonight? Oh, I hope I can be brought to you by Lynda.com. Well, it's not going to be Lynda.com tonight. It's going to be the Reached app, huh? This is a new one. That's R-E-A-C-H-T app.com. So go over there. Reached app. Dot com slash CLNS. I believe, CLNS. I believe you know what I've that is? That on Facebook. Sure, but you know what? I was going to say I sure do, but why don't you tell me about it? Well, the Reach app is for anyone that likes sports. Huh? Huh? I like sports. It's a brand, it's a brand yeah. new way to talk about your favorite <laughs> sports teams with all your friends, actually. Uh, it's not a podcast or anything like that, but go and download the app. Uh, and get hashtag on board with us today. Boom. Reachedapp.com slash CLNS. Liz, you scramble to get here? You sounded a little bit like Jim Rome towards the end of that read. That was nice. Like clones. Jim Rome. Clones. All right, clones. Here we go, Liz. Right. You're here. Okay, sorry. You scrambled. So, you have topics for us. Before, What's going on? Yes, I have topics. I have topics. But before I give you my topics, I want to say that I'm still pissed that Duke won last night. So take that, Mad Dog. I'm, like, oh, so annoyed. Anymore, but <laughs> no, number <laughs> no, I'm all set. I'm so annoyed what's at worse? that call last night. Huh? What's worse? What's worse? Duke winning a title or David Duke winning an election? It's a tough call, right? I don't, I don't know who David Duke is. You know who David Duke is? Oh, well. Isn't he the, the cult guy? Uh... If by cult you mean KKK, then yes. Oh my god! Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's a cult. That's a fuck. That's the that's, the biggest cult is, if I've ever heard. That is obviously worse. That is obviously worse. Okay. That's a huge um, cult. That's the biggest are, cult on record, right? I would I would call them yeah, a cult. Yeah, if by cult, that is absolutely some type of crazy cult. Anyways, so my two topics are the other two stories that I thought were really funny. You may have seen them. Um, so the hometown of Lucy, of I Love Lucy, Lucille Ball, that's her name, um, uh-huh. they they have a statue dedicated to her, it's a statue of her in, like, the square um, that was put up six years ago, and there's been this petition to take it down because <laughs> it's, like, a seriously scary rendition of her, but it doesn't look anything like her, it's, it's really bad, but um, it's been gaining a lot of momentum, and then they had... Just recently, the artist of the statue came forward and apologized and said that it was by far his most unsettling sculpture, and he's going to, like, redo it. But um, if you get a chance to find a picture of her, it's pretty I don't understand terrible. what's wrong with it. Um, well, if you look at a picture of it, I'm going to send you a Well, describe it, to the, describe it to the listeners, Liz. Well, That's, this is radio. Her, I, so, <laughs> basically, <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that. Um, You're welcome. Her eyes are, like, wide open, and she has this weird smile on her face, and she looks kind of, like, haunted. I don't know. She's She looks nothing like Lucille Ball. 
Oh, it doesn't even look like a. I, you just Liz just sent me the picture, Calvin. It looks like a man. It look like it looks, a woman. It doesn't. I don't even think it looks like a man. It looks terrible. Like I can't well, believe that somebody designed it, designed it, and then put it up like had it made in bronze. But anyways, he's so he apologized, and he feels so terrible about it that he wants to redo it like on his own with his own money. I mean, it definitely doesn't look like her, but I wouldn't call it frightening. Uh, well, he calls it unsettling, which I think it is unsettling. Calvin, the the first the first line of this Hollywood Reporter link that Liz, the sculptor responsible for frightening Lucy, the refight, frightening Lucille Ball statue that's been terrorizing local residents, is now offering to fix it for free. Terrorize residents? Look at it. Please. It's like the eyes are like. How is- Statue terrorize people. I mean, I don't. I mean, stealing headlines. That's what that is. Also, like, if you look at the bottom of the picture, is she holding like a flask or something? What is no, that? No, no, no. She, that's my. That's my Benjamin. Don't act like you oh don't know. Oh my god! I love that you just quoted. I love Lucy. That's great. Okay. Who doesn't know Vitamin Benjamin? Everybody knows I that. I can't believe. That you're like, oh yeah, that's Lucy because she's holding that ridiculous thing in her hand. No, I didn't say it, it looked terrible. like Lucy. First of all, it's weird that it's like, is it like super old Lucy? Um, I'm, I see all the veins and stuff in her neck, and like yeah, the weird. The she's yeah. got like a weird. She's got like a weird James Keen pompadour thing going on. If you oh, if Grant, you scroll down, they have the clip for Vitamina Vegemin, and it's supposed to be that picture of her. It looks zero, like nothing like her. Like you got like the two, the two like necklaces that she wears that's about it anyways so i thought that was hilarious because it's been up for like 50 years and people are so upset about it they have like a a facebook group called we love lucy get rid of the statue <laughs> i just don't get i get look, I, just love it. I get i get that it's a bad statue i don't disagree what i what i don't get is like the idea that it's been terrorizing the neighborhood isn't it just kind of sitting there I don't understand. How can a statue terrorize people? Come on. I don't. Yeah, I mean, like Hollywood like Reporter. Is, think about this. Think about this. Like small town. Their claim to fame is like Lucille Ball. And like, if they really like, if you really like idolize someone, right? And you're like, oh, Lucille Ball. Like, we really want to me- remember her fondly. And this is the statue you get. Like, come on, seriously. And I love In my mind. I just, I just realized at the bottom. The mayor said that he doesn't he doesn't want this dude to retouch the statue. He just wants a new artist to repair it, which I think is probably smart. That's pretty insulting, which is awesome. But <laughs> anyway, uh, to me, it's like you, you're almost better off having the ugly statue of Lucia Ball because then it's like you now you know this town that has this weird ass statue of Lucia Ball. I like want to go see that statue now, whereas if it was just like a regular. <laughs> What a regular statue of Lucio Ball. It's pretty boring. Road trip. <laughs> I think, well, like, I just think if you're if you're going to have a statue of someone, it needs to look like them. Like, unless it's, like, totally abstract. Like, like the um, fonts? Yeah, I was just saying, like, I was just about to say, like, when we went and saw the fonts, like, in the middle of, like, we weren't even looking for it. Mary was on a bench. Was he on a bench? No, he was standing on the No, he was standing up. Liz, uh, it's it, it's just an eight-hour drive to Celeron, <laughs> New York, all the way at the tip of New York, basically in Lake Erie. Wow, that's kind of fun. Anyway, anyway, 
so that that was funny to me. Then the other thing that I thought was just awesome was that there's this um, couple that are they're getting married, and the guy's last name is Burger, and the woman's last name is King. So it's the Burger King wedding, oh. and and Burger King is picking up the tab, and they're paying for the wedding. <clears throat> what uh, what are they going to get? Joel Burger, a bunch of chicken fries. They're going to have chicken <laughs> fries at the wedding. No, I think they're just straight up paying for it. They're going to have rodeo burgers at the wedding. <laughs> I don't know, but I was trying to when I saw the story. I was like, I wonder if I can come up with some like great couple names that. Uh, combine it to fast food, but I feel like there aren't really any good like other fast food things that are like Burger King. Like there's Dairy McDonald's Queen. Stuff with one name. Oh, it could be Dairy Queen. That's one. I actually never Red Robin. Oh yeah, Red Robin. Oh yeah, I, I got a friend named Dave Red. Really? <laughs> no, nobody's named Little, Red. Little Caesars. <laughs> Little Pizza Hut. What if you? What if you? Your last name is Rob. Is is Donald, and you just marry an Irish person and just make it racist. What? Why does that make it racist? Uh, no, no, well, you say it's the McDonald's wedding. Oh, oh McDonald. God. I thought you were saying like McDonald, like Scottish style. Uh, Anyways, I thought that that was very funny. That they're the Burger King wedding. Is burger so spelled funny. like hamburger? Or yeah, is, no, it's I mean, like, is King spelled with a Y or spelled, something? No, it's spelled burger like, like the food. And King. Why is it so funny to me? <laughs> what? What? K Y N G? The idea of burger spelled with a Y. You know what it is? It's because like he could have easily said burger with an E, but instead he's like burger spelled with a Y. Yeah. No, King with a Y. King with a Y. K Y N G. Oh, oh King Why with a Y. I just put a burger with a Y. I don't know if I saw that spelled that way. I yeah, Yurger. Like, Yurger. Burger. The Y is silent. I'm going to call Burger King Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. This one's, this one's really out there. This one is really out there. Anybody want to listen to a podcast that doesn't make any sense? You found Careless Whispers. I didn't even... Did I ever even tweet out that... Nope, I don't think I did. Oh, yeah, I did. Tweet it out. Tweet I it did in. tweet it out. I tweeted a picture, too. Look at that. All up on the times and stuff. Um, you have anything else for us, Liz, before we, uh, um, send you on your way? I think that's probably it. I, yeah, that's not it. That's what she thinks. All right. Oh, good. Thanks. We could have just sang it for you ourselves again. But you already did that, so gotta make a special. That song really burns out the vocal cords. I didn't know if I could have done it again. <laughs> Goodbye, Liz. Yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah. Please. 
I love that Susan Waldman. That Susan Waldman because she's such a dope. Uh, Roger Clemens is a New York Yankee. He will be forever. Long live Susan Waldman. Uh, she's still alive. Don't worry. Plenty of around. <clears throat> so Liz mentioned Lynda.com, and I guess I will too because they know a lot about stuff. Yeah, stuff, anything. Visual design, photography, software training, web development, work-life balances. What does that mean, you say? Maybe you work too hard. Maybe you need to take a, a half a day once in a while and just sleep in and then get up and refresh yourself. Now, I just gave away Linda's secret, but there's a whole lot more over there. Head to lynda.com slash CLMS and get a free 10-day trial. That is spelled with a Y, unlike the Burger King wedding. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash CLNS. And all of a sudden, my head seems to be on straight, Calvin, as we power through the first hour here. Three hours tonight, everybody. No. Only another 25 minutes. That's what it says on the screen. Probably not even that, because we've only got a couple of quick things left. Um, Unless we get some callers. Yeah, I doubt it, but I'll... I'll you know what? I'm going to go to at Team Green Truth on Twitter, and I'm going to say, what do you want me to say? Call me and Calvin right now to talk about Aaron Hernandez. And then I'm going to put the number, and we'll see if anybody calls. Hashtag Patriots. Three four seven two one five seven seven. See, this is this is what podcasts are all about. Now you just get the real time me typing on the on the computer and tweeting out the link, etc. While Calvin talks about Aaron Hernandez, go. Is, is Aaron Hernandez still a patriot? I just think of him as Aaron Hernandez murderer now. Well, he is Aaron I, Hernandez murderer now, but I think there are probably a lot of Patriots fans who are interested in this case, especially since it's. Uh, a, something that happened in New England and he's a former Patriot. I think uh, if I put hashtag Patriots people might pay attention or I might just have to delete the tweet later. Were you, uh, were you a Hernandez guy? Back when he was in the NFL? Back in, I mean, back as in a player, he was, he, was, he was outstanding, right? He, he, was, he was very dynamic and he I mean, he put a, put a different a, uh, element on the field and as far as the aspects of the game is concerned he was fast he ran great routes he was tough to cover he caught the ball uh so yeah as a player i don't i don't really could knock the the guy especially the way that the the patriots were using him but uh, off the field he just all this stuff coming out it's very apparent that he's a raging psychopath yeah i thought that you know in in the wake of Gronk, like he was, he was almost underrated. Is because yeah, he was re- a really good football player, but that's not really what we're talking about tonight. Uh, what we are talking about tonight is murder trials. And this one, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Really. Are you a lawyer? Have you gotten a law degree? No, I haven't gotten. Nope, never even taken any law classes. I don't think. Not even sport law, as far as I remember. And I haven't been, you know, following this case as closely as a juror, per se. I don't know, can if you have, but you know, I mean, not as closely as a juror, but I have been following it closer than you, I guess. Yeah, I've been I've been following it like you know, reasonably close, 
I mean, it's, it, but from this, from this unbiased outside, uh, you know, outside opinion, it seems to me that his, his defense team, not so much putting up much of a fight. What do you think? Well, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't, so I don't know I, if you, did you hear any of the audio from his lawyer at the, uh, at the end of the trial today? Closing arguments and all that? I read some of it, but I didn't see any of the okay. audio. So, uh, so basically, uh, for those that are uninformed and don't know what's going on here, Aaron Hernandez is on trial for the murder of his uh, sister, no, his fiance's sister's boyfriend. So his soon-to-be brother-in-law, I guess they were, maybe they were close to getting married as well. I don't, I'm not sure of the details of that, but Odin Lloyd, by all accounts, was his friend as well. Um, and without getting into the whole case, it's on trial now, or it's uh, the trial has sort of come to a close. Everybody put their closing arguments in. The jury is deliberating. The judge expects a uh, verdict this week. Uh, there are a lot of counts of, of murder and weapons charges and just all these different things that Aaron Hernandez is trying to dodge. And what Calvin is talking about here with the, the, the defense sort of coming up lame uh, is today, they or yesterday, whichever day it was, and Actually, maybe even earlier than that, depending on when you're listening, uh, on the CLNS Radio mobile app. Boom. Go get it for Android and Apple devices. iOS. Yeah, baby. Um, And it's free. Anyway, the point is that the defense has basically said, yes, they're acknowledging that he was at the murder scene. He witnessed the murder. And they're trying to now pin it on the two co-defendants who will be tried at a later date. The other people in the situation uh, and it's, it just seems as though the, the defense is really just trying to raise reasonable doubt and they are trying to poke holes in the story and make the jury sort of look at it and say, well, I suppose it's possible that he's not the one that committed this murder, even though he was acting shady after the fact and his girlfriend was dumping things and she clearly uh, threw this box out that had something in it, which we can't d- disclose because nobody knows exactly. There's no proof that there was a gun or anything like that in the box, and nobody's admitting it. Uh, the cooperation was not really there on her part, Shania Jenkins's part, uh, when she testified. So there are a lot of holes in this case, and basically his attorney stood up there after calling three witnesses, after the prosecution called like 130 uh, they they basically just stood up there and said, well, yeah, Aaron was there, but he's, he's a young kid. He didn't know what to do. He sort of left the scene and without pointing the finger at one of those guys specifically, whether it's Carlos Ortiz or the other guy, Ernest, uh, no, not, is it Ernest Wallace? I think his name's slipping my mind, but no, that's, that could be him. Either way, without pointing the finger at one of them directly, they basically said Aaron was there, but he didn't do it. So you can't get him on murder charges, but they're essentially throwing him under the bus for all this other crap that has been thrown out there. So he didn't do the murder, but yeah, he has these weapons charges and he was, I mean, later on, maybe he'll get aiding and abetting or something like that. But uh, they're just basically trying to dodge these murder charges. And I think, unfortunately, they may have raised enough reasonable doubt in this jury that it, it could be the other way. And I just, maybe I play devil's advocate too much, Calvin. But I just have a hard time thinking that this guy's 
rant, uh, this attorney's rant that he went on at the end in his closing arguments wasn't going to affect at least one of these jurors. So they all see it the common sense way as opposed to the legalese way. But um, there really is no 100% proof that Hernandez is the one that pulled that trigger. For usually I tend to side on the side of reasonable doubt in these situations. But Aaron Hernandez is, number one, apparently there's a law in Massachusetts where uh, you don't have to be the trigger person. If you're, like, involved at all in the murder, like, you can be you can be convicted for murder. So, like, the notion that, like, he's not the one who did it and he was just there, if he's involved in, like, the cover-up and he was involved in, like, getting him to that point, they can they can already convict him for murder just based on that. Number one, number two, like isn't it weird that Aaron Hernandez's like legal team didn't didn't bring this? Hey, he witnessed the killing defense up until basic basically closing arguments of the trial. In trial, like you said, they called they called yeah. yeah they called three witnesses. Like the whole the whole point up until then uh, with the three witnesses was to sort of try to disco- uh, discredit. The fact that right. uh, Aaron Hernandez's DNA was on the shell casing in, in the car. They're trying. They, they were said, trying well, to discredit the the prosecution's witnesses as well with their witnesses. That's basically what their argument was. And this whole time, they seem like they've just been running a case where they're just trying to poke holes in the other team's argument, as opposed to providing a actual reason why Aaron Hernandez should be let off of this. Right. In. in excuse me. I'm somewhat okay with that because. The burden of proof should be on the prosecution, although, like, in practical terms, juries don't see it that way. I just think that, like, their theory, all of a sudden that he was there, like, it, it seemed like in, in, up until that point, they seemed to be arguing, like, like you said, trying to poke holes in the prosecution's case in the way that suggested, like, hey, Aaron Hernandez, you know, didn't do this, wasn't involved. And all of a sudden, at the end of the trial, and they didn't, they didn't call Aaron Hernandez to the stand. So, like... It's almost like they're speculating, hey, Aaron, Aaron Hernandez uh, did see this, although we're not going to tell you, like, what he saw or, uh, you know, what he saw or, like, what happened specifically, why this happened, even though Aaron Hernandez apparently knows. We admit that he knows what's going on. But, hey, it wasn't him. Like, good luck proving it was him. You know what I mean? But you're not – apparently – That's, if you're that's essentially what their case is, yeah. Yeah. If you're saying he was there and he witnessed it, then that means that like he can shed light on the situation, or or some other witness can shed light on the situation. And but you're not even going to make that point because your your argument is so weak that you you leaving them with nothing except to be like, uh, well, I hope you guys are Patriots fans. That's a sense their argument seems to me to me. Like I don't know. It seems, <laughs> it, I, I mean, his, his his lawyers, I'm sure, are highly paid lawyers who I I thought would have made you know some crazy defense. But this is what, you know, guilt or innocence aside, it's, it seems to me to be like one of the weaker defenses I can remember in a made high-profile case like this. Yeah, it just seems like they, I don't, I really don't know where they're coming from with this. Uh, although, hearing what he said, I, I did understand where he was coming from. Like, the, the, he was basically trying to get rid of the, the biggest charge that the, out there. Um and I mean, I guess that's one way to go about it. If if you start to realize that he's going to be guilty of something, you start to try and take away uh, the the bigger charges. And I think um, you can sort of look at that to sort of cross reference trials that are going on right now. The Boston Marathon bombing 
Jokar Sarnayev trial is happening right now. Uh, and his, his defense team has sort of tried to come out and pin the whole thing on his older brother. And that is not to say that that uh, Jokar Sarnayev wasn't involved because it seems to be very clear on video and all that that he was involved. But they're trying to get the death penalty char or sort of out of the options that can be served to this kid because if he wasn't the mastermind behind the whole thing death penalty is not is not supposed to be a question it's just a matter of how much of the lesser charges uh will that he'll get convicted of now so i mean i guess this is sort of a standard defense practice when you know your client's guilty of something uh you try and and sort of uh, divert attention from the bigger thing, right? And say, yeah, they did all these other things, so get them on this, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he did the the big thing you're looking at. He didn't do the murder. He wasn't the mastermind of the bombing, et cetera, et cetera, you know? Yeah, I guess, but I, I might feel like if that was their strategy, why wouldn't they, you know, why wouldn't they... They should have done it earlier, it, yeah. It, yeah, it seems like they just decided that's what they were going to do. You know what I mean? Like at the last minute, they're like, "Okay, well, this is not going to work out. Why don't we just, why don't we just do this?" Yeah, and they thought that they were going to be able to do a better job, maybe, of defending him, and they just didn't. And they realized what uh, what it was what it was going to come down to here in the last couple of days. So, anyway, uh, that's that's that for that. Um. Oh yeah, one more topic. Do you want to you want to hit on this baseball thing after I tell the people? To go and check out uh, Jared Weiss's great work uh, on the Garden Report, the HD post game show. After the post game show, that's right, the post game show. After the post game show, because once you listen to the Celtics post game show here on CLNS Radio, Jared calls in, he gives you his little locker room report, and then he go- goes and does the big thing. He does the Garden Report where he shoots on the parquet, sometimes up in the rafters, sometimes he's down in a hall. If there's something going on in the in the garden and they got to set up for a Bruins game, etc., something like that. But he's there after every game. He's got great guests, great interviews. Check it out. The Garden Report, youtube.com slash CLNS Radio. And our final Calvin, uh, is is baseball everywhere. It was opening day yesterday or Sunday officially, but the rest of the league got got together on uh, Monday and played their first games. The Red Sox are off tonight. This is Tuesday. If you're listening in the morning, the Red Sox play tonight. Uh-huh. See what I did there? But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a West Coast team that is really being kind of despicable, Calvin. I'm sure that you know more about this than I do. Why don't you uh, go ahead with it? Hey, should we do baseball picks next week? I guess. I mean, it's it's a little. I mean, it might be a little late for that. It's only one. Oh, you know what? I'm going to the Celtics game next week, so we don't have a show. Oh, look at that! Look at that! Womp right, womp. Well, Dodgers are going to be good. This is my baseball uh, preview. Uh, so Josh Hamilton. Uh, looks like. Appears that he did some cocaine, and he reported it to Major League Baseball officials after the self-report. Yep, self-report. Yeah, and they, uh, they, the, the, the people. I don't know what the name, the committee who decides uh, whether or not it's a violation of his agreement with Major League Baseball. 
deadlocked on it, two to two, and they they brought in an arbitrator to decide, you know, whether or not it was a violation uh, of the agreement with Josh Hamilton, and the arbitrator decided no, it was not. And the uh, the Angels then came out. Uh, not you'd think they'd come out in support of their player, but he said they did the opposite. They said uh, the the Angels GM came out and said it's not logical that this is not a violation. I don't understand it. And I'm I'm not I'm not very happy about that for a couple of reasons. One, really, uh, it, it seems that the whole process was supposed to be it, it's supposed to be done uh, confidentially. In, like, nobody's, nobody was supposed to know about it, but instead there's like anonymous reports going to the L.A. Times uh, that people suspect were the Angels because obviously Josh Hamilton like wouldn't report himself as a draggy to to the newspaper, right? And Major League Baseball has nothing to gain from it because uh, if you know if Josh Hamilton's not found uh, guilty of violating his agreement, then it, it just makes him look bad and makes baseball look bad for not punishing him. So the only party in this situation who has motivation for making it public are the Angels, trying to uh, you know, manipulate the process and put pressure on baseball to try to uh, make it to where this guy's in, in violation of his contract so his contract can be voided because Josh Hamilton has been terrible. And like the, the best-case scenario for the Angels is if his contract was voided and they didn't have to pay it. He owed, like, another $70 million. So the team was hoping that, you know, that it would be voided. He wouldn't have to, they wouldn't have to pay it, and then, you know, it'd be best-case scenario for everyone. But, it's, again, the problem is, one, it's supposed to be confidential. So, I like, everybody thinks it was the Angels, but there's, there's no proof of it. So, I guess, you know... I, all I can say is, okay, well, well you know, what are you going to do? But I'm, I'm not happy about it. I, I think that, that the Angels organization, like, once they found out that he wasn't going to be suspended, should have, like, supported their player in, in some way. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't a violation. He did self-report. And most importantly, like, he's an addict who, like, he slipped. He tried cocaine once, and then he he reported himself in a situation where he wasn't going to test positive, so he did the right thing, and everyone's right. coming down on this guy like like he's a monster and like he should now, be suspended for the year. You know what? So what happens if it ha- if it happens again? Sure, it happened one time. He self-reported. What if he what if he does this again in uh, two months and he self-reports? Do they then should they do something about it and come down on him a little bit? Well, the thing about cocaine is like it doesn't stay in your system that long. Do you know what I'm saying? So if if, if they had a, if they had a test scheduled, <laughs> if they had a test scheduled, then he's going. They're going to test. They're, they're going to test him anyway at that point, and he's going to be found in violation of his agreement. But he he reported in, in, at a time that like wasn't going past on his test. So in in a way, he's doing the right thing. He's trying to find help. So I, I think that as an addict, if he slips and he's not in violation of the agreement, then I don't think that you should punish him. No. Why? Like, he's, again, he's, he's an addict. I think he, if he slips again, you should put him in a program. You know what I mean? You should talk to him. But I don't think that you should void his contract. I don't think you should void his contract anyway. But he did have an agreement. So, I, you know, technically, if he's in violation of the agreement, like, they're within their rights to do whatever they want. But if he's not, then he's not. And, and the Angels shouldn't, like, they shouldn't be just looking for any opportunity they can to dump this guy. When one, he's a, a dude who needs help. He's trying, clearly. Like, it's not like he, he went on a binge and, you know you know what I mean? Like, okay, 
he's he's relapsed and now he's a mess and now you know now he's constantly a problem for us and clearly he's not going to be able to play baseball. It was like a thing where he, he slipped one time and then he, he felt bad about it and he reported himself. But those are two different situations. If he, if he slips back into being what he was, then sure. But I, I, that's not what we're talking about here, then. All right. But I guess I, I kind of agree with you, but I, I love to play that as my friends will sometimes tell you. Um, that frustrates the hell out of them sometimes as well. But uh, yeah, I like it. What, what, somebody would argue that if he does it again in two months, then maybe he is slipping back. And then he does. And maybe, what's to stop him from doing it again? Maybe he's doing it at times when he doesn't have to report. And now that he's set up this this uh, fact that he's self-reported, this is the well, conspiracy what, what, theory in me talking. Now that he's set this up, he can just get away with it uh, at times when he knows he's not going to be tested. Well, what's to stop you see you see from from doing coke in times when he's not going to be tested? What's to stop Aaron Hernandez who uh, you know admitted in court that he smokes a ton of weed from smoking weed when during times when he's not being tested? You know what I mean? There's, there's nothing to stop anybody from doing anything. But if there are agreements, there are guidelines set in place by the union for this specific thing like do, do you feel do you feel like we have to be the, the police for for this guy for Josh Hamilton like what if he does do coke do you do you think that like uh obviously you could you're going to be able to tell if he like physically deteriorates but if he if he let's say he takes a bump now and then and he doesn't get caught for it right is, is that is, does that you know tickle your moral fancy to the degree where you 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 feel insulted by this like well, it's an outrage and we got to do something about no, it no certainly not no, I don't. But if Major League Baseball is trying to keep this squeaky, squeaky clean image, that, I mean, they don't have it, but they're trying to get to that, and that's what that's what the uh, the baseball purists th- still think of the game that they're squeaky clean. Then they probably will want to do something about about it if it happens again, right? I don't know. That's just the way that I would I would look at it if I was trying to come down on the guy, which I am not personally. Well, if they were more, if they were mostly concerned about their squeaky clean image, wouldn't it be better had they had they kept a tighter ship on the, the the fact that it leaked out in the first place? Shouldn't we just not know about this at all and have go into training camp, you know, uh, hoping everything's okay with Josh Hamilton? Like, why why don't we even know about it then? If that's the case, you know, are you are you creating drama for a situation where yeah? Well, we know about it because it, it, the Angels probably wanted the, it, it to be out there, and I know that, I, that we just talked about that. But I would say that they are the most likely candidate to have to put this out there because they wanted to get his they wanted to get his uh, his contract voided or something, you know. So if if, if Kelly Olynyk uh, went to Brad Stevens and said, uh, "Yeah, I have, I have a coke problem," like I excuse me. I uh, I don't you know I I I'm not going to get caught. I, I always know when to do it. And the the league's drug testing is a joke. Uh, but I have this <laughs> issue, and I and, and I can't stop. Uh, or no, not even that I can't stop. I, I have this issue. I'm, I'm going to stop. But I, I just want you to know. And then Brad Stevens went and like said that in a press conference. Like, how would you feel about Stevens and the Celtics in that situation? Would you want? Did you? Would you admire the transparency, or would you be like, "How is this cool?" Because I, I lean towards the latter in that situation. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want them to sit to just be cool with that. I think that they would. Uh, they should come out and do, say that they're going to help the player, etc. 
Um, but I mean, what's what do you? Why would why would they? Why would I don't know. I don't know why would they would just come out and say something in the first place unless they didn't like the player, which it, in this case it looks like they don't like the player. Kelly Olenek, I think the Celtics like. If they if if Gerald Wallace had that situation and they wanted to get out of his contract, just to use an example that could be relatively comparable to Josh Hamilton and his gaudy contract, then I think that maybe there's grounds to bring it up as the organization. But for to throw a player under the bus that you like, uh, I think that they would probably try and get that player help before they did something like that. But the, the, I, they, the, the, the point is that they should just try to get the player help regardless of the contract and regardless right. of who they are and whether they think that they fit in on the team. They sign the contract with, with your organization. They should try and help them. So that's where the Angels are being shady and really uh, kind of despicable, especially if they're the ones that put this leak out there. Uh, and just with the owner coming out and, or, or GM, whoever it was, coming out and saying that uh, it should be a, a violation is just – it's a little, it's a little shady. That's all. Anyway, Calvin, that's it for yeah, us. Protect We're your done. players. Protect, protect your players. Exactly. Organization. Don't, yeah. Don't try to look for outs. Same thing. You know, I don't like a rod, but like, just, look, look, they signed that contract with Josh Hamilton. Forget a rod. We don't have time. But no, they signed that contract with him, knowing who he was, knowing that he's trying to recover, and slipping up one time in, in doing a bump. Like that shouldn't be. You know, you you shouldn't look at it as your opportunity to then try to get out of the contract just because you signed a bad deal. Live with your deal. Yeah, it's I agree. It's slimy, uh, and that's how we're going to end tonight with the word slimy. Good night, everyone. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.